Okay, folks, we're going into the second part of our message, and it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Uh, for the sake of time, we'll just read the one verse, which we started off on this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 5. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you, for your sake. The gospel. Our gospel. What a privilege it is to have the gospel. This evening we will continue looking at the gospel explained. Now this morning we saw that Paul was a servant of Jesus Christ, selected to be an apostle, separated onto the gospel. Then we started looking at the different titles given to the gospel. In Romans 1.1 it's called the gospel of God because he is the author of it. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, it's called the gospel of Christ, because he is the subject of it. In 2 Corinthians 4, 4, it's called the glorious gospel of Christ, because Christ's glory is manifested. As I say, glory is the outshining of an inner excellence. We saw that he was glorious in his birth, glorious in eternity past, glorious in his life, glorious in his transfiguration, glorious in his death, glorious in his resurrection, glorious in his ascension, glorious in his return, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now please turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 15. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 15. It says here, And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. It's called the gospel of peace. Because through believing the gospel of peace, it brings peace with God. And through practicing the gospel of peace, we have the peace of God. The peace of God. Folks, without the gospel, that is the good news of his salvation, we cannot be saved. And if we are not saved then we cannot have peace. I mean, real peace. True peace. Peace is promised throughout the Word of God. I'll just refer to these chapters. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 14, peace, goodwill towards man. This is God's desire. John 14, 27, peace, I leave with you. This is Christ's promise. John 16, 33, that in me ye might have peace. Romans 5, 1, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 14, he is our peace. 
Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. No wonder Paul called it the gospel of peace, because it imparts peace to the believer. What a blessing, folks. We no longer are enemies with God. If you believe, if you're a Christian, if you're born again, no longer are you an enemy to God. Because when the gospel is believed, it brings about a cessation of hostilities. There is a halt to hostilities. And the peace of God is imparted to us. Peace with God. Do you have peace with God? In other words, are you saved? Now we know that peace with God comes at salvation. When a person comes before the Lord, repents of their sin, acknowledges Jesus Christ as their Savior, they're saved. There's a lot more to it. But simply believing and receiving. Then you have peace with God. See, God no longer looks down upon you and sees the sin and the dross in your life. And like the refiner in Malachi, where the refiner, he would put the gold or the silver or whatever metal he's uh, bringing to uh, a liquid uh, and he would clean the dross from off the top. Then he would look in and see a reflection of himself. So it is with Christ. When we are saved, we have the imputed righteousness of God. And when he looks down upon us, he sees a reflection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have peace with God. So we know that peace with God comes as salvation. But when things are going wrong in your life, when you have your ups and downs, when things are topsy-turvy, when things are not the way you want them to go, do you have the peace of God? Folks, let me just say this very kindly. You cannot have the peace of God if you have never made peace with God. Folks, this world is in a mess. We know that. The people of the world, are they're worried, they're concerned, they're faithful, fearful. But as obedient Christians... We have the peace of God in our lives. No need for us to worry, folks. No need for us to be in fear in these days. Because God is on the throne and he is in control. No need for us to fear. Because we have the peace of God in our lives. Peace with God when we were saved. The peace of God in our lives. As I said, peace with God comes with salvation. The peace of God is that daily state of mind when we are trusting in God in all circumstances. All circumstances. It is having faith that the Lord will bring us through. It means trusting in him 
completely. There are some great examples in the Word of God. I cannot think of a better example of a, a man who had peace in his life than Joseph. A young man, maybe somewhere between 14 and 16 years of age. And Joseph's faith was not spoiled through fierce adversity. I believe he had peace in his life. Remember, he was hated by his brothers. And he was hated more. And then he was hated yet the more. Then he was dumped into a pit. Folks, how would you feel if your brothers, those of your own family, hated you? And when it says they hated him yet the more, they hated him intensely. They hated him to the point where they could not have cared if he was put to death. And they threw him into an old pit. And then he was sold as a slave into Egypt. How was Joseph going? How do you think he felt? I believe he had great faith. And he had great peace. Then he was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. Then he was cast into prison. But he never stopped believing, folks. He had integrity. His integrity remained intact. He had faith. And he had peace in his life. And eventually when he faced his brothers who hated him to the point of death and sold him as a slave, he said to them, well, you meant it for evil. But God, the one who I've had peace with all along, the one who I've been trusting in all along, the one who I've had faith in all along, God meant it for good. Joseph, no doubt, had peace in his life. How would we go, folks, if we were sold as a slave into Egypt? If we were cast into prison? If we were taken from our country and our loved ones? How would our faith be? How much peace would we have in our lives? Would we be saying, God, what have you done to me? I trusted in you. And look where I am now. I'm in an old dirty pit. And now I'm sold as a slave. Now I'm in the dungeon in jail. No, no, no. Not Joseph. Not Joseph. Joseph had faith. And Joseph had peace. And then we could talk about Daniel. Even when all his peers turned against him. And told all manner of lies about him. He still went about his daily routine. Praying three times a day. The Bible says, as he did a four time. See, I'm glad the Bible says things like that. Because otherwise we would think, well, he's trying to antagonize them. He's going up into his room. He's opening up his window. And he's praying three times a day, knowing that they're going to be looking at him. He's trying to antagonize him. And then, but not a bit of it. The Bible says, as he did a four time. This was his habit. He prayed three times a day. And regardless of all the lies, and regardless of all the threats and all the rest of it, he had peace in his heart. Joseph and Daniel and the catalogue of the faithful in Hebrews 11 could not have done the things they did unless they had peace in their lives. Knowing that God 
was in control. This week, in isolation, I've been reading uh, the Book of Martyrs and listening to some fine tapes as well. The Book of Martyrs. I've been reading about Latimer. I've been reading about Ridley. I've been reading about Lady Jane and how they all were burned at the stake. Some of them were hung, drawn in quarters. Some were burned at the stake. Some were cut asunder. But folks, they all had peace in their hearts. And they were giving glory to God as those flames came up around them. I was going to bring the Fox's Book of Martyrs today to read to you, but I couldn't. It just brings me to tears. Brings me to tears knowing how the saints suffered. But they were willing to suffer. They were willing to be put in the fire. They were willing for the flames to come up around them and they did not deny their God. Why? Because they had peace. Why? Because they knew God was still on the throne and he was in control. You know, real faith means that you're trusting in him and that he will give you that peace. That peace that passes all understanding. Folks, this Bible is the gospel of God because God is the author of it. It's the gospel of Christ because he is the subject of it. It's the gospel or the glorious gospel of Christ because Christ's glory is manifested. It's the gospel of your salvation because it conveys salvation to the sinner. It's the gospel of peace because it brings the peace of God and gives you peace with God. Please turn to the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20 and verse 24 says this. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus. What was that ministry? To testify the gospel of the grace of God. The gospel of the grace of God. G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. F-A-I-T-H. Forsaking all. I trust him. God's grace. Grace is the free and unmerited favor of God as manifested in the salvation of sinners. Praise God for the gospel of grace. The gospel of grace. It's a saving grace. Ephesians 2, 7 and 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith. It's sustaining grace. Hebrews 4, verse 16. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may find and receive mercy, and find grace to receive help in our time of need sustaining grace it's strengthening grace 1 Peter 5.10 but the Lord of all grace who hath called us unto his excellent glory by Christ Jesus after that ye have suffered a while making you perfect establish, strengthen, settle you yes, suffer a while Pastor Jekyll has been talking about that but he is the God of all grace Saving grace, sustaining grace, strengthening grace. And folks, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, it is sufficient grace. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. 
You got a problem in your life and you pray about it? God says his grace is sufficient for you. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. That word all means all, and that's all all means. All sufficiency in all things. Sufficient grace. And in Hebrews 12, verse 28, she says, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Serve God. Let us have grace, whereby we may serve God. Grace. The apostle Paul said that his ministry, what God called him to, was to testify of the grace of God, which I received of the Lord Jesus, to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Now please turn to Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14 and verses 6 and 7. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel, to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation, and kindred, and tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, Worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of water. It's called in Revelation 14 the everlasting gospel. Folks, it's the gospel that never ends. It's the everlasting gospel. The gospel which is everlasting, non-ending. It does not change. We cannot improve upon it. We ought not to add to it nor take away from it. That's why I stick to the authorized 1611 version of the King James Bible. It's everlasting. does not change because it's all sufficient. Praise God that this gospel has been given to us. The angel in Revelation 14 and verse 6 says this. It was given to him to proclaim with a loud voice. And what was he to proclaim with a loud voice? Fear God. Give glory to him. Worship him. And folks, the message that the angel was given in relation to the everlasting gospel is applicable to us today. And we need to take our gospel and tell people to fear God. There's not much fear of God in these days. We've got about 190 countries that are stricken down with this coronavirus. Coronavirus. 
Many, many thousands have died. And you know, we never hear. Hardly once. Maybe Mr. Trump. Maybe Mr. Morrison. Mention God. There needs to be a turning to God in these days. There needs to be a fear of God in these days. We need to give glory to God in these days. We need to worship Him, folks, in these days. It's the everlasting gospel. Fear Him. Give glory to Him. Worship Him. This is our gospel. It's the gospel of grace. It's the everlasting gospel. Folks, remember... This is the gospel of your salvation. This is how you got saved. This is why you stand where you stand today. This is why you can give glory to God on high because you were saved with the gospel of your salvation. And it's the everlasting gospel. And God has entrusted it to us. And we need to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. In verse 4. Verse 5 again. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost. You see, it's our gospel. Our gospel. Then it says in another place, But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel... Even so we speak. It's the entrusted gospel. Praise God someone imparted it to us. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. Now therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. We have been entrusted with this gospel and now it is our responsibility to entrust it to others. Paul says that we need to commit it to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. It is the entrusted gospel. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak. Praise God for the faithful men down through the years. Praise God for those who brought us the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God for those who preached the gospel to each and every one of us. The witness has gone on for years. Praise God for those who have prayed. I remember as a young man, uh, just after I got saved, I used to live in a place called Rathmore Street. And this old man used to stand outside his door almost every day. This old man was called Johnny Floyd. He, he lost one leg during the war. And one day I was going up there after I'd been saved and I was dressed up and I was carrying my Bible. And Johnny called me over. He said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to church. He said, have you been saved, Derek? 
I said, I have. He says, praise God. I've been praying for years and years for your salvation. Folks, we don't know who's praying for us. We don't know who has prayed for us. But praise God, there are faithful men and women down through the ages. Praise God for faithful parents. Praise God for the preachers and the Sunday school teachers who have witnessed and taught the glorious gospel to us down through the years. Where would you be today if all of them had kept silent? Where would you be today if nobody witnessed to you? Where would you be today if nobody invited you to church? Each one of us here today can say with Paul, it is our gospel. Thank God for the faithful ones who for many years in this church have preached the gospel. Mostly Pastor Jacob. Each one of us can truly say with Paul, it's our gospel. It's been entrusted to us. Are you pleased that you've received the gospel? Are you making full use of what God has given us? It's our gospel that's been entrusted to us. But Paul goes on to say, it came unto you, not in word only, but also in power. You know, there was a time in Thessalonia when there was darkness. No gospel. Then the gospel came to the city through Paul and through others. And many were brought to Christ. Acts chapter 17 verse 4. Acts chapter 17 verse 12. There's power in the preaching of the gospel. And we just need to go through the New Testament. We just mentioned a couple of things. In Acts chapter 8 verses 5 to 8. There's power in the preaching of the gospel. Philip preached Christ. That was the subject of the gospel. And the people gave heed. And they believed. And then we see the power of God at work. The evidence, if you like. There was great joy in the city. Then Philip was called away. And he spoke to the Ethiopian eunuch. And in verse 35 of Acts chapter 8, Philip preached unto him Jesus. From Isaiah 53 as we know it. Folks, the gospel is in the Old Testament. In Acts chapter 16, 9 to 15, there was a Macedonian call for help. And folks, the only help this world needs is the gospel. In verse 10 of Acts 16, they were sure that the Lord had called them to preach the gospel. In verse 14 of Acts 16, Lydia worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, and she was baptized in her household. So the gospel brought joy to a city through Philip. The gospel was used to bring a family to the Lord. We see an individual coming to Christ through the gospel, the Ethiopian eunuch, Paul himself, Cornelius, and many others. Folks, it's our gospel. It's entrusted to us. We need to be out there in the power of the Holy Ghost telling others of the gospel. 1 Thessalonians 1, five again. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost. There's power in the gospel. Unfortunately, in these days, folks, we're not seeing and we're not hearing 
the gospel preached in power. In most of our mainstream churches, very little is said about the gospel, let alone in the power of the Holy Ghost. Some time ago, a young friend of mine died, and I went to a funeral in a mainstream church, Protestant church. Not one scripture, not one warning, not even a hymn was sung. I'm very sad. It's sad when ministers have opportunities and they fail. It's sad when we have opportunities and we fail. On the other hand, people make the mistake and think that screaming and shouting equals power. Not a bit of it. Others play on the emotions. Folks, I said earlier I've been listening to some recordings I've been blessed this week. Of course, we hear the messages from this church. But some of the most powerful messages I've heard was from a very quietly spoken preacher. His name is Jim Flanagan. Not just because he's Irish, but he was an Irish evangelist. You see, the power is not in the person. The power is in the word. The Holy Spirit will bring about the conviction. One plants, another waters, but God gives the increase. It's not appealing to the emotions. It's not carrying on in the pulpit. It's not jumping up and down. It's not exhibitionalism. It's the good old-fashioned preaching of the gospel of God in the power of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 42, verses 1 to 3. I remember speaking on this passage. I love this passage. It's speaking about our Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. And in verse 2 of that reading, it literally means that he will not make an exhibition of himself. He shall not cry nor lift up nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. We know the Lord Jesus Christ preached. And he was heard in the street. But the meaning of this is that he would not make an exhibition of himself. You see, a man may have something to sell. He may have his words on a table. And he may call out in a loud voice, Gather round and see what I have to sell here. Making an exhibition. But our Lord never made an exhibition of himself. Folks, we want to see the power of God. 
We want to see the Holy Spirit working in these days. If the people in the pew and the pastors and the preachers and the persons in the pulpit continually prevail in prayer, then we might see the power of God working in these days. Folks, we we need to thank God that we have a pastor here who believes in the word and in the power of prayer. Folks, there is too much social gospel out there these days. There's too much tickling of the ears in these days. And meantime, people are heading into a lost eternity. They need to be told the truth. We may not have another day. In many churches, there's nothing of Christ being preached. No atonement, no repentance, no shed blood, and all the other doctrines that we hold dear. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost. It's the gospel of God, because God is the author of it. It's the gospel of Christ because Christ is the subject of it. It's the glorious gospel of Christ because Christ's glory is manifested. It's the gospel of your salvation because it conveys salvation to the sinner. It's the gospel of peace because it brings peace with God and gives you the peace of God. It's the gospel of the grace of God Because it imparts God's grace. And it is imparted by God's grace. It's the everlasting gospel because it does not change. The same yesterday, today and forever does not change. It's the entrusted gospel because it's entrusted to us. It's the gospel of power because it has power. To change lies. Second Chronicles 7.14 in closing. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. Folks, praise God for his gospel. Let's pray. Our gracious God and our loving Heavenly Father, again we give thee thanks for this day. We thank thee for this morning's message. We thank you for this evening's message. We pray, Lord, as we contemplate these words relating to the gospel, that we might be enthused in the days that lie ahead to share our gospel with others. By sharing, we will not be impoverished. And so, our Father, we do pray that others might know who we are and whom we serve, and that they might want to know the hope that lies within us. We ask all this in our Savior's precious and worthy name. Amen.